Hi, and welcome to my Independence Report. With this podcast, I have the freedom to say what's in my heart and create anything I want. So, I'm going to present new ideas, thoughts, and comments on past and current events, stories from my job, a view from the seat, as well as the best of, episodes of the various shows and interviews I've done in the past, and even stories about life between lies called Death Isn't Real. With that all said, we might as well get started, and oh, by the way, thanks for giving us a shot. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. We've got a great guest coming up this hour, and I hope that you'll stay with us for the entire hour. Jordan Paul, he is a PhD, author of Becoming Your Own Hero. Um, He's a former high school teacher and a psychotherapist. Dr. Paul has co-authored four other books that we're going to talk about a little bit as well. And was a subject of a documentary training film produced by the National Institute for Mental Health. Founded a widely acclaimed adolescent drug treatment program and today conducts many seminars and workshops worldwide. Uh, Dr. Paul, how are you? Uh, this is, I'm just great, Kevin. How are things uh with you up in beautiful Seattle. Oh, it couldn't be better. We today is our best day. That's kind of like what we determined at the top of the show, who was that uh, we were Eric, uh, our engineer, and I were having a, a debate on uh, on if should you live today as like it's your last day or should this be your best day? And we decided that if if you thought this was your last day, you might be huddled in the basement and uh, not having a great time. So we're just going to say that live today like today's your best day. That's right, and eat dessert first. That's <laughs> exactly, and and have fun with it because that's that's really all it's about. Well, I, I believe that that's right. I mean, uh, whoever created this beautiful playground, you know, it's it's in, it's inconceivable to me that the intelligence that created this gorgeous, beautiful, uh, bountiful planet put people in it and said, you know, you're supposed to be miserable. <laughs> It doesn't make sense, does it? No, it it really doesn't because this is such a gorgeous place. And if you look at it, and if you look at it from a negative way, and and you you will never be happy. No. So that's why we call it Positive Talk Radio. Let's talk a little bit about the book, Becoming Your Own Hero. What's it about, sir? Well, it is uh, a very positive message in in that um, what I see is that when we think about our most inspirational heroes, you know, I think of Martin Luther King and Gandhi and Jesus and people who um, inspired us uh, through their actions. Um, when people think of their most inspirational heroes, w- one thing that they all have in common is their ability to stay connected to their heart, especially in the face of difficulties. Boy, no kidding. And my premise is that when we stay connected to our hearts, especially in the face of difficulties in our everyday lives with, in relations with our children, our spouse, our parents, our employees, that when we can do that, we rise above the muck and mire of um, the kinds of things that people get stuck in. We walk on water, if you will, and we feel like our own heroes. And, and you really can do that, can't you? Uh, absolutely. Um, most of the time we don't. We get caught in our, um, discon- we disconnect from our hearts because we, uh, when we have difficulties, our fears are, are uh, touched off. We disconnect from our hearts, and then we either withdraw or we get angry, and we, we try and do all kinds of things from that protected place. We protect ourselves from something we're afraid of, and from that protected place, we get stuck in all of our difficulties. And we haven't seen much modeling in our homes, on television, or any place, uh, about um, how to stay connected and uh, take care of ourselves and then feel good about ourselves and feel fulfilled uh, by, by being connected to our hearts, because that's when we feel most fulfilled. You know, when we fall in love, when we go on vacation, that's the time when we feel best and we feel fulfilled, and uh, I think we can do this more in our everyday lives. Well, and a lot of people would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all right for you to say. But I tell you, my life is more difficult than that, and it is drudgery. And I, how do you get people out of that paradigm? Oh, well, I don't know how uh, actually to get people out of it uh, who are really invested in it and invested <laughs> in being stuck in it. I'm just saying that there is a way out of it for each one of us. I believe that we can learn 
to what it feels like, what it means to be connected to our hearts, to learn about the things that disconnect us, the fears and the beliefs that disconnect us, to learn how to reconnect when we get disconnected and how to stay connected more of the time. Uh, And then um, we're just going to feel better about ourselves more of the time. Now, this is a moment-to-moment proposition. Because we're humans, we all lose it at times. But the idea is how to be there, how to be in that wonderful place more of the time. Absolutely, because it's, it's, if you can take the mental approach that you are okay, but a lot of people have trouble with the self-esteem issues of you are okay. And that, isn't that why we have heroes, because we think other people are better than us? Absolutely, and we don't think that we can do it. We're not adequate. We're not lovable. Almost everybody carries those um, false ideas around with them. And, you know, I, I do say to my audience um, a lot that it's understandable why almost everybody has those feelings. You know, we come into this world, and I don't believe that when we come into this world, we said we felt that we're inadequate or we're in- unlovable. I don't think any baby comes into the world with that. No, we learn that by uh, while we're here. We learn that very quickly, and it gets reinforced, and we learn it in many ways, but I'll tell you just one way. You're just a little baby. You're six months old, and you're doing something naturally. You're just crying, or you're laughing, or you're exploring yourself. And and someone, uh, you know, and someone outside the crib gets angry at you. You do something that upsets them, and they get angry at you. And it's almost inconceivable to me that a six-month-old could look up out of the crib, and of course, we don't even have language then, and and think to themselves, you know, it's not that I'm unlovable. It's that you're having trouble loving me right now. <laughs> now. Now, that's the truth. But what do we do? We don't know any better, so what do we do? We take it personally. Oh, it must be me. I must be bad. I must be wrong. i got to change. I'm unlovable. And we've been doing that since we were very little, and we still do it today. People get angry at us, and how many of us see that it's not a statement about you when someone gets angry or upset with you. It's a statement about them. They've lost their ability to love and to be loving in that moment. But we take it personally, and when we take it personally, then we fight back or we feel bad about ourselves, we withdraw, we do all those yucky things. And it's a, it's a terrible thing because oftentimes the people who say these things to us in our formative years are not much older than we are at the time. They, they very well may be our older sibling. Yeah. And it's but, somebody that they, that, you know, if your older sibling has been put in charge of you yep. and, and they, a, a personal story, my mother was sick for a period of time. And so my older sister babysat for us a lot. Well, you know, when I was five, she was 10 mm-hmm. and if, and it's not, you know, sometimes 10 year olds say things they don't mean, but, but from the five-year-old perspective, she was a lot bigger than me. So she knew everything. That's right. She's God. She's all-knowing. <laughs> and she, she was, too. And so, consequently, a lot of those things were things that I grew up with that never should have been, but, and, they, and had I been older, they never would have happened. But. Well, they get, and they get deeply ingrained, and every single one of us has stories like that, Kevin. It may not be an older sibling. It may be a mother. It may be a grandmother. But we all have stories, maybe a teacher and we were young and impressionable, and the impression that it made is, it must be me, I'm not okay, I'm not lovable, uh, I'm not adequate, and we carry those seeds of self-doubt around with us, and I'm here to tell you and your audience, it's a BS, it's just not true. But they're so deeply ingrained that it's hard for people to let go of that and just believe that they're really okay. Now, in the book, uh, Becoming Your Own Hero, do you discuss that and how there are ways that you can empower yourself? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Those, that's just one, Kevin, of many beliefs that we have that, we're, that keep us dependent uh, on other people for our sense of well-being, that keep us afraid of losing a, a, a relationship or losing our image, and all of those things are the things that keep, us, uh, that keep us in fear and that disconnect us from that loving uh, place where we can be who we really are, because I believe that every one of us 
is really basically an inti- and uh, and a loving uh, person. And when we can be who we really are, when we can find the courage to be who we really are, that's when we feel fulfilled because we're living in integrity with our real self. When we come back, we're going to need to take a break. Uh, uh, by the way, we're talking to Jordan, Dr. Jordan Paul. He is the author of Becoming Your Own Hero. We've got some other books that we're going to talk about. He's a very enlightened man, and, and we're going to talk more about being who you really are versus who somebody else says you ought to be. When we come back, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to KKNW 1150 AM. We're talking with Dr. Jordan Paul. He is the author of of the book, Becoming Your Own Hero. And we're talking about trying to become and be who you really are, not what somebody else said or says that you need to be. And uh, Dr. Paul, how? what are some of the steps that you can take? You need to live in your own power. You need to live moment to moment. Are there other things that you can do to regain your own power and to be your own hero? Hello, Dr. Um, people oh. need to really embrace and know who they really are. And I think that, um, and I t- would take people through experiences to get them to realize that who they really are is their heart. In the, in the, even in the Bible, the heart was not this romantic heart that we tend to think about it today, but there are passages in the Bible that talk about the heart as being the essence of the individual, the soul of the individual, and, and that is who we really are. Now, what are the qualities of the heart? The qualities of the heart are an openness, a curiosity, a softness, a warmth, they're all those wonderful feelings that we have, as I said earlier, when we go on vacation many times and we walk amongst the giant redwoods or we um, w- uh, walk at the beach at, at sunset. And we've all had experiences where our heart has been open and we fall in love and we experience the birth of a ch- our child, our newborn. That's who we really are. We feel at peace. We feel serene. Anytime you feel those feelings, you're connected to your heart. When you feel tense and angry and um, jealous or any feelings that are cold and hard as opposed to warm and soft, you can know that at those times you've lost your connection. So the first thing is to know the difference between when you're connected to your heart and when you're not. And then the next thing is to, then you can look at, I wonder what caused this disconnection? What are the fears and beliefs behind the fears? You can go through a process to understand more and resolve those fears and beliefs so you can stay connected to your heart more of the time. Now, part of that process is for you to go when you get angry and when you're having a day that you, and you're acting in a way that you really know that that's not who you are. Yes. And should you then, not that there's any should or shouldn'ts, but is, isn't a way to get connected to be quiet and be silent and to, and to talk with yourself to find out what's inside and why you are acting that way? Yeah. I mean, I gave you one possibility is you could explore the beliefs and the, and the, the fears and the beliefs that create the fears, but there are also things that you can do to reconnect. You can do, as, as you've said, you can just sit and be quiet. You can put on some music that connects you to your heart. Uh, you can uh, uh, meditate. You can do some writing. There are, there are different things that people can do, and in, in Becoming Your Own Hero, uh, I explore different ways that, that people have and say there's not one right way. Right. So we want to find the way that works for us to take a deep breath, to go into meditation, to sing uh, a song uh, that, that makes us happy, uh, those are ways to get reconnected. And then we can also do our learning, uh, uh, which is very important, about why we've gotten disconnected and, and start to resolve some of those erroneous beliefs like, I'm not adequate, which is, one that I, uh, which is just one of many uh, erroneous beliefs that we have. What are some of the other erroneous beliefs that are running rampant in our society? Uh, one is I can't create my own sense of well-being. I need something or somebody outside of myself uh, to make me happy. Now, that is the belief that creates an addiction, a dependency 
whether it's on alcohol or drugs or dependency on another person. Uh, I can't be happy if I lose this relationship. I can't create my own sense of well-being. Then you're dependent on the relationship. Uh, so a major part of healing for all of us is to know that we can, is to learn how to create our own sense of well-being so that we're not dependent on another person or on a substance, on money, on material things uh, for our sense of well-being. That's a major, major um, um, task for all of us because we've all grown up uh, not, not learning how to do this, how to create this by ourselves. So we look for something outside of ourselves uh, for a sense of well-being. That's one of those things that uh, in, in my age group, which is I'll be liberal here, between 35 and 45, a lot of people are going through a, a midlife, who am I really, kind of yeah. yep. program. And and one of the things that happens a lot of times is that people that got married in their early 20s will separate or will get a divorce. And there are people out there that are in their mid-30s that it's for the first time that they've ever really been alone. And a lot of times they'll jump right back into a relationship with somebody else because they think being alone is bad. But isn't the key to a great relationship is to learn how to be okay with yourself first? You bet. Uh, and it doesn't have to be first, it can be at any time, but it is a key, you're right, it's a key aspect for all of us to know that we're not dependent on the relationship for our happiness. And, and as I said before, I think it's important to know that we're not dependent on anything outside of ourselves. So if we think that we need money to be happy, to know, that, to know how to create our sense of well-being without a lot of money. I mean, you have to have money for, for your food and shelter and basic needs. But many people grow up believing that if they can just make a lot of money and then buy a lot of things, a bigger house, bigger car, that that's what's going to make them happy. And then they're dependent on material things. Well, we know that that doesn't do it. And nope. part of what midlife crisis is about is that people have very often become very successful in their uh, mid to late 30s, early 40s, and they realize that the dream that they've been chasing that they thought would make them happy hasn't. Well, the same thing is true with love. People chase the dream of love because the love songs and love stories and all that tell us that if we can just find the person to love, that then we'll be happy. It doesn't work. People try and create their happiness with, by having children, and that's going to make them happy, uh, or you know, with alcohol and drugs and things like that. None of that stuff <laughs> will make us happy. We have to learn how to create our sense of well-being um, within ourselves, and then we're ready to have a intimate in-love relationship. And that is the crux of the entire... I think that's part of the learning process that we are all undergoing, and that's probably the ultimate learning process, is to stay in our own power, in our own heart, and realize that we are captains of our own ship, as it were. Yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. But the problem is, is that understanding that and putting it into practice can be two different things, can't they? Well, it's, it's not an easy thing to put into practice for a lot of reasons. One thing is that the, the whole culture is oriented towards the opposite of what you and I are talking about. It's based on, for example, our whole... Now I'm going to really get into trouble with some people. <laughs> no, that's Our okay. whole economic system is based on convincing you that if you just buy my product, you're going to be happy. And so all we get from advertising is just buy, buy, spend, go into debt, whatever you have to do, and then you're going to be happy. Now that may be good for creating uh, a, an economy that's very... Um, very, I don't. I was going to say strong, but I don't know. Creating uh, um, a lot of money for yes. some people, but it's not the message that is going to be uh, create happy, well-functioning individuals. But that's the message that we get most of the time. Okay, so everything that surrounds us is diametrically, and the people that are in our lives, they also tell us things that that are not correct as well. So it's from the TV, it's from radio, it's from everything. They tell us things that are not uh, correct, and even the helpers in our lives, and I'm going to get into some more trouble now, um, <laughs> very often 
even people in the helping professions like psychologists or, or uh, spiritual uh, people who provide spiritual guidance tell us how to be and what to do, and in that process, they keep us dependent on them for telling us how to be and what to do rather than help us find the strength and the power within ourselves to know that we have the ability to create our own sense of well-being. So sometimes um, even people around us, starting with our parents, who may have you know, been doing the best job that they could do, but when people always do things for you and tell, and you ask them, and tell you, give you advice and tell you how to be and what to do, rather than show that they have faith in you figuring things out and helping you figure things out, that keeps us dependent on other people. That's one of the things that I'm learning as a parent is that I've got two teenage boys and I'm learning that I need to allow them to experience life for themselves. You bet. And not tell them, oh, no, you know what? I did that when I was a kid and you shouldn't do that. Right. They they really need to experience it and we need to love them enough to let them go do that, don't we? And that asks a lot of, of you because it means letting go letting them fail, letting them have difficulties, having faith that they will figure things out for themselves, and why we want to control our children and other people around us very often is because we don't want them to have difficulties. We want to make everything right for them. But in that process, we rob them very often, if we do it a lot, we rob them of the opportunity to figure things out for themselves and then to learn that they don't have to rely on people or things outside of themselves for their sense of well-being. Absolutely. We're talking with um, Dr. Jordan Paul, author of Becoming Your Own Hero. And in addition to that, Dr. Paul, you've had quite an extraordinary life, haven't you? Uh, yes, and it's been longer than your 35 to 45 years, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with all the things you've done, you, you, it's hard to cram all that in at 35 <laughs> That's years. right. But I, I want to talk when we come back from this break, because we need to take another break. But when we come back, let's talk about the, the drug treatment program that you founded and, and the work that you've done with kids and that sort of thing. Can we do that? Absolutely. We'll Love be right it. back. Thank you. What is the celestial circle? Is it astrology? The celestial circle. People are calling it the Church of Heaven on Earth because it's a place where people who are open-minded and open-hearted gather for spiritual food. Spiritual food? What's that? Food for the soul. Every Sunday evening at 5 p.m., we meet at the New Stonehouse Bookstore in Kirkland for meditation, healing, and an inspirational story. Well, that sounds that sounds nice. It's wonderful. Every Sunday at 5 p.m. at the New Stonehouse Bookstore in the PCC Plaza of the Houghton section of Kirkland. Just take the 70th Street exit off of 405 and head toward the lake, and you'll see us on the right. Is there a number I can call? Yeah. 425-889-4716. That's 425-889-4716. Hope to see you there and bring the family. You can also check out our website at swedenborgianchurch.org. In these uncertain economic times, the first expense that always seems to get cut is the company's marketing and advertising budget. Yet getting and keeping your business name out in the public domain is more important than ever. The problem is finding an advertising program that is effective and yet the most economical use of the company's already strained marketing budget. Where can you stretch your ad dollars and get the word out effectively? Well, right here, of course. Here at Positive Talk, we're able to work hand-in-hand -hand with you to make each dollar count. We are able to tailor your ad package to meet your specific budgetary requirements and can really deliver as far as getting and keeping your company out in the public eye, where you need to be. Call us today for a complete ad package review. I know that we can help you keep your sales up and your business growing. Call Darla at 425-830-1021 or call me directly 206-730-9828. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Who was that wonderful voice on the last commercial? Oh, that had to have been as Eric rolls his eyes in disbelief that I would actually say something so, so self-grandizing, I suppose. But, you know, sometimes if you don't toot your own horn, nobody else will do it for you either. 
We're talking with Dr. Uh, um, um, Dr. Jordan Paul, and he is the author of the book Becoming Your Own Hero, as well as four other books, and he also was a high school teacher, and uh, uh, he also did, uh, um, he was a psycho- psychotherapist. Dr. Paul? Yes. Let's talk about your high school teaching. You, you had an unusual teaching style, didn't you? Well, uh, first of all, I have to say that it was 10 of the best, most exciting years of my life. I taught in the um, 1963, 64, 1973 in high school, and besides loving that period of time, loving my kids and loving the 60s and all that was going on, um, it was a great learning time for me. And uh, as a result of my teaching and getting involved with my students personally, um, and I was teaching a health education class, so we were talking about drugs, and, and um, the kids um, began to open up to me, and they, uh, as a result of that, we started out of school, uh, after school program, which was a drug rehabilitation program, and it became one of the most successful programs in uh, Los Angeles at that time, and as a result of the work that I was doing with the kids and my teaching style, uh, the National Institute of Mental Health made a documentary film uh, about my teaching, which it was used uh, in a seminar series uh, all over the country for people who were teachers to look at different styles of teaching. And basically, what the film was about is my willingness to be involved with my students, to talk with them about the personal things in their lives, to care about them on that level outside of the classroom. And uh, so it was uh, part of uh, the social uh, service seminar series, and it was a discussion starter. Some people, you know, were aghast at that, and (laughs) obviously some people thought that, you know, that's what teaching should be about, more, uh, you know, in addition to our subject matter, uh, the the personal lives of our students as much as we could to get involved with them. Well, that's one of the things that I would like to think that teaching is evolving into is rather than you standing at the head of the class telling everybody what the facts are, right. to include them and engage them, especially in a subject as volatile and as important as personal health. Yeah, and that's what I got to talk about uh, five periods a day for uh, the 10 years that I taught, and it was, it was great stuff. We talked about nutrition, we talked about drugs, we talked about personal relationships, um, physical health, uh, you know, working out and things like that. It was all the things that uh, um, they were interested in. Oh, yeah, including the dreaded, you know, the the sex education, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> that, too. <laughs> Well, you know, back then in 19, from, could you talk from the early 60s to yeah. the early 70s? Yeah, 64 to 73. In those days, it was uh, quite a bit different than it is today, isn't it? It was, and uh, um, I had some difficulties uh, uh, with what I was willing to talk about that um, people were not very happy with, but um, I survived, and now they're subjects that are talk, talked about much more easily and, and more frequently, thank God. Well, you know, some of, the, some of the curriculums that are out there today are there because of the pioneering work that people like you did in the schools. Yeah, thank you. Because I, my sons, my, I have to tell you, my, I, again, I have two teenage boys, and in sixth grade they go, they go through preliminary sex education, mm-hmm. which they both have termed icky ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and and they they go through that and they understand it a lot better now. And and the teachers are able to talk about it more openly. And I think that education is good at any level like that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my son uh, now teaches fourth and fifth grade, and what they can talk about and what they know. I mean, it's just when I go into his classroom and I see, you know how he's teaching and the stuff that they're talking about is just astounding to me. Um, this is, um, this is 40 years later. Yes. But, 
it's very exciting. What's interesting to me about it in in looking at the kids today, in if you give them the the good moral foundation and their values to take care of themselves and to be respectful of other people and that sort of thing, the knowledge that they gain from some of the programs that they have today can help them lead more well-adjusted lives. Well, I absolutely believe that. Yes, and I think the schools can do uh, are very instrumental in that and can do a lot more. Now, and also the parents, if they are willing to, to talk with their kids, which, which, you know, for a lot of parents, that's a problem, isn't it? Well, it's a big problem uh, because uh, I think that taking on this job of being a parent is without a doubt, there's no doubt in my mind, it is the most difficult job you will ever take on. And um, basically, I mean, you know, we send people to school for 10 years to be surgeons, and uh, would, would you want your surgeon operating on you when they, if they've gained their information from television and from watching their own parents uh, take care of cuts and bruises? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, but that's, what you, that's the only training you have to be a parent. <laughs> and and yet it's the most it's I think it's much more difficult to be a parent than to be a surgeon. Oh, absolutely, cuz cuz we oftentimes have no idea. Of... No, we're clueless. Yeah. Or or we have ideas, but the ideas come from basically media, television and our own families. Well, yeah, and and if it's okay, you know, you get that I have rattled through my brain. We know if it was good enough for my parents, it's good enough for me, it's good enough for my kids. But the reality is that a lot of times, not through any fault of their own, and I want to make that absolutely clear, but they were brought up by their parents, and their parents were imperfect as well. And so somebody needs to break the pattern. Well, that's right. And in Becoming Your Own Hero, I have uh, chapters uh, devoted to different areas of our lives, to relationship with a spouse and to a relationship with children and also business relationships. And in those chapters, I talk about applying these ideas of staying connected to who we really are, to our hearts, in these particular areas. And then in, with parenting, it would be raising our children with something that's different than either being authoritarian or being permissive. And most of the time, all we see are those two ends of the spectrum. And people will say, well, what's in between authoritarian and permissive? And I said, you know, I don't even want to talk about that. That's not, I want to talk about something that's entirely different. And it's something that we haven't seen. And it is basically how do we raise our children and parent them in ways that do not compromise their integrity, which authoritarian parents do, they compromise the child's integrity, or compromise our own integrity, which is what happens when we're permissive. We want to talk about how to be with our children in ways where neither of, of our integrity, our integrity or their integrity is compromised. Boy, that's a tall order, isn't it? It is. Huge. Totally different than what we're used to seeing. And so, you, you know the uh, theory, uh, Einstein's theory of insanity. Yes, it's inherited. Yes, which is which is for those of you who don't know what that is, it's it's doing the same things and expecting a different result. <laughs> yeah, I was going in a different direction. That's that's right. But also, I also heard that in, insanity is inherited. You inherit it from your children. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is, is that if it's not if it didn't work before in yeah. in your parenting skills, and you don't try something different, it's not, and you just continue to do the same thing, you're just going to get the same results. Yeah. It, yes. But something even more than that, Kevin. If you've been raised as an authority, with authoritarian parents, you say, oh, I'm not going to raise my kids that way. And then you become a permissive parent. You're doing something different, but that's not going to work either. I'm saying that there has to be a way that we can learn to be with our children that's neither of those two, ex- uh, those two different ways. Do you have some suggestions, and I know that you do in your book, some suggestions on how we can do that? Well, yes, I think we have to... Uh, look at what does it mean? We have to see, again, we have to be in touch with our hearts what it, what, to know what that feels like, to know that when we're in touch with our hearts, we feel compassion and we, we're curious. There's an intent to learn. Sure. So that anytime something happens 
and we feel compassion for our child, compassion for ourselves both, and are open to learning about them and learning about ourselves, that creates an entirely different interaction than when we either try and control them by being authoritarian, being angry, punish, and whatever, or withdraw and become permissive. It is the intent to learn with compassion that creates an entirely different result. I agree with you 100% on that because if you don't get involved, I mean, if I because I consider an authoritarian parent who just says, all right, you're in trouble, go to your room. That's right. And they're out of our face, and we think that we've done the job because we're now punishing them. And they're suffering because they're stuck in their room. Of course, these days, they have a television, a computer, and a telephone in their room. And, and so it's not that big of a punishment. But at the same time, we, we, we think that we've done our job, that we've been a stern parent. But, or if it's too bad of a thing, we are afraid to bring it up and we withdraw from it. Then either way, we haven't accomplished anything. So you, you need to confront it in a compassionate, positive way, right? That's right. Confront it with compassion and an openness to learning. That, uh, you know, in, in the book, in these different chapters, there are, there's ideas and there's stories. I, the book is, um, about half the book is made up of stories. There is one true story, which is my own story. Uh, I tell it in a couple of the chapters. And then in each of the uh, last five chapters of the book, uh, I create a fictional story to relate to parents and ch- uh, or spouse or uh, in business things like that. And in that story, the people in the story, in the first part of the story, go through difficulties, and that's very familiar. And that was actually easy to write, because those dialogues are easy to write. Then they go through a learning process, and each one goes through a different learning process, because I wanted to connote uh, that not everybody learns these things in the same way. Then in the third part of the story, they go through the same or similar situations with new learning, and we see what that looks like. Now, that, honestly, was the hardest part for me to write because those took dialogues and thinking that are not typical of how we see people relating to each other. How so? But I think it's, it's the way we need to see modeled because we don't see people typically relating to each other from a heart-connected place, uh-huh. from a place where there's compassion and an openness to learning. What we typically see is either fighting and arguments and power struggles, that we're very familiar with, or indifference and withdrawal. Yes, indeed. And, And the power struggle part, especially with kids that are growing up and are in the teenage years, when they are working to exert their independence. That's right. And you're working to maintain control. Right. And... It always ends up, not well, not necessarily always, but for me, if I try and control, it always ends up with a power struggle. That's right. And that ends up, and then it depends on how loud we want to get. <laughs> and that's, but, and Kevin, that's, remember, that's not just with kids. No. That's with husbands and wives. Wives want husbands to do certain things, husbands want wives to do certain things, and they try and get the other person to do what they want them to do. The other person resists. And you get stuck in that power struggle. Yes, indeed. And, and it becomes a very pointless exercise because it doesn't accomplish anything. Well, it accomplishes uh, making you uh, angry at each other and more distant from each other. Which, it doesn't yeah. accomplish anything positive going back to the <laughs> title of your show. <laughs> That's right. And, and because we so we need to approach everything really from a new place, from a place of our heart. And you can't do that like when you're interacting with your kids and if they've got a, if they've done something that is personally upsetting to you, Mm -hmm. you need to, do you need to step back and not be angry, but to approach it with understanding and try and find out why they did this behavior so that you can stop it from happening again? Well, Ideally, what you just said would be wonderful, but the truth of the matter is most of us are going to react and we're going to be angry, yes. uh, upset, or whatever. That's not, I mean, it would, ideally, we'd like to step back and, and keep our hearts open. But another realistic uh, idea is that when we lose it, when we lose our connection and we get angry, we, we try and punish them or whatever, at some point, we can realize what we've done and go back 
to the child and say to the child, you know, I blew it, I lost it, and I really want to go back and try and heal this. You can do this on your own. You can say to yourself, uh, gee, I just, I really blew it with that person. I wonder what got in the way. You can learn from the situation. The problem is when we lose our connection and we don't learn from the situation, then we just create more and more uh, wounding and distrust and greater distance in the relationship, uh, and we feel worse and worse about ourselves. And when we come back from this break, which we need to take right now, but are you saying then that we need to be able to apologize to the kids at time? Because a lot of people have trouble with that, don't Yay! they? Yes, I'm saying that, so come back and let's talk more about that. <laughs> yes, indeed, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. We are having a wonderful time today talking with Dr. Jordan Paul. He's the author of Becoming Your Own Hero and has been a high school teacher, has been a uh, psychotherapist. He started a drug program in L.A. that was copied nationally. He is a uh, best-selling author. He's a wonderful man. Dr. Paul, how are you? Thank you. I'm just fine, Kevin. It was it was fun because we went into the break and we were talking about kids and parents' relationships and that sometimes, uh, who knew, kids make us angry. Sometimes they make us nuts and, and we lose our temper occasionally. But some of us have trouble going back to the child and saying, or to a coworker or to a spouse or to somebody that, that we have wronged in some way and go to apologize to them, don't we? You know, it's it's amazing to me. Uh, I know how difficult it's been for me, so it's not amazing to the point of not identifying with it, that when we lose our connection to our heart, it's always because some fear has come in. And when we lose our connection, we get angry and upset because we got defensive. We already talked about that. Yes. It, it's not a terrible thing. We're human beings. We all do that. And if we can make it okay... To, to be human, then we can say, you know, I blew it. Uh, some fear got in there. Some belief got in there. And it's something I really need to work on, and it's not your fault. And I feel badly that I injured you in the process, even if injuring was just yelling at you. And, and um, you know, that's still injuring another person. I'm not just talking about physically hurting them. I'm talking about emotionally hurting them. And if we can take responsibility for that, then we can open to learning. But if we can't allow ourselves to make a mistake, and that's not, a, not even a mistake, it's just, you know, we lost it, we blew it. If we can't allow ourselves to do that, then we can't admit that that's going on, and we miss the opportunity to learn some very important lessons. And, and in the process of not learning the lessons, we're doomed to repeat them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and therefore we never get anywhere. <laughs> no, we we you know we keep doing the same thing over and over. We don't learn those very important lessons until we can admit that we made a mistake and or something got in the way, and we really want to learn from that experience. That's why apologies typically are meaningless because people say I'm sorry, but if you just say I'm sorry and there's not. Uh, an intent behind that to really learn about why what you did and why you did it. The probability is you're going to do it over again. It's a it's a common story now of you know where men will get upset very often and and beat their wives or hit their wives and then they feel badly. They say I'm sorry. They give them candy or flowers or whatever and then they go back and for a while it's okay. But then they lose it again and they will continue to be wife beaters until they deal with what is the issue here and the deep stuff that they need to look at to resolve so that they really will stop doing it. It doesn't happen from just saying, I'm sorry. No, a, a simple apology a lot of times doesn't doesn't cut it. It's meaningless. In, in, in our house, we just went through one of those. My, what was that? Uh, well, one of my teenage boys said and made an inappropriate comment to one of his playmates, mm -hmm. and they uh, were in you know a disparaging remark. Mm 
that hurt this other boy very deeply who went home to his parents and told them about it. And it became a big deal because they felt that the teenager was a little older than the other boy. And so they felt he was picking on him and so forth and so on. And so we ended up having a long talk about it and so forth. Well, in the process of moving our child from making that comment to realizing he made the comment to being remorseful that he made the comment to being willing to apologize heartfeltly that he made the comment was a long process <laughs> because it was like, well, if he hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done right. that. And he made lots of excuses as to why it wasn't necessary, why he should and, and why, why it was important for him to apologize and why what he did was wrong because we have a tendency to build a wall between us and other folks and blame them for what something we've done wrong, haven't That's we? That's right. And sounds like he learned a lot from that experience, from your willingness to take the time and go through this process with him. Yes. And well, and quite frankly, we're still going through it. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> but it's one of those things that, that, that we need to recognize that, that those things need to be addressed and they can't be just, you know, go back to him and apologize because it wouldn't have meant anything and it would have then put it behind him, but it never would have changed his behavior the next never. time Never. That's it. right. That's and, right. And that's the important thing is that we're interested when we're raising our kids or if we're teaching or if we're, or if we're working with other people, we're working to do behavior modification, aren't we? Well, you know, hopefully that's right. And this is what we want to do because we want to, we want to be better. And we t- can always be better, which to me means being more loving be- to ourselves and to other people and learning more and more about what that means. So we can always do, we can always do better. And I want to, you know, we're going to run out of time here in a little bit, but I just want to make sure that, that we touch on this because I think it's really, really important that, that before you can love anybody else, you have to love yourself. Well, and I wouldn't exactly say before you can, you know, it can happen at the same time. Okay. You can learn to love yourself better, and as you learn to learn your, love yourself better, you're going to learn to love other people better. And that means loving yourself for exactly who you are. Yeah, which takes a lifetime, so we don't want to wait uh, <laughs> to the end of our lives to have relationship, but we can just learn more and more as we go along in our lives how to love ourselves better, and in that process we're going to learn how to love other people better. Now, Dr. Paul, you've written also some other books, and I want to make sure we touch on those. What are the, the titles of the other books that you've well, written? Well, the, the, uh, the most well-known, uh, which is still in print 20 years uh, after it first came out, is Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? And that's actually been reissued, uh, updated and reissued last year. So uh, that is a book which looks at mostly couples and and. teaches a communication process which is also part of becoming your own hero so you have to if you have to make a choice between the two i choose becoming your own hero right right and what are some of the other titles uh other titles are do i have to give up me to be loved by my kids which is about parenting (laughs) but that's also in becoming your own hero then there was a workbook that was uh written about uh, to go to uh, coincide with um, uh, Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? And then the first book, which 1975, was entitled Free to Love, and that's no longer in print. Oh, very good. Now, can they pick up these titles uh, from Amazon and most major outlets? Yes. Perfect. And also from my website, which is www.drjordanpaul.com. So that's www.drjordanpaul.com. Dot com. Right. And, and you can pick up all the titles there, and I'm sure that you've got contact information. Now, you're traveling the world doing seminars. Any chance you're going to be coming to Seattle anytime soon? Well, I hope so. I'd love Seattle, and I've, I've been uh, looking at uh, trying to create uh, something up there because I, I haven't been there in a, in a few years, and I love uh, your, part of the, your part of the world. So I hope to be up there sometime soon. Well, today it's a gorgeous day in the Northwest, not a cloud in the sky, which for, if you know us up here, is not always uh, an easy thing to be able to say. It's not always, but I spent a lot of time in Seattle. I've almost always had wonderful weather. So people talk about it, uh, you know, and the rain and the clouds and everything, but I have almost never had that when I've been up there. And when it's clear like it is today, it's just one of those gorgeous places in the world. Would you do us a favor? 
Make sure that you tell everybody that it rains here all the time. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's cold and dank, and we just don't have any fun. Okay. <laughs> all right. Quite frankly, we don't yep. need, we need more freeways before we invite more people. Ah, uh, you know, you don't need that. No, or, or we need some way to get around, because it's, it's, it's very similar to, now you're in L.A. right now, right? Right now I am. I live in Northern California, but uh, right now, today, I'm in Los Angeles. And Berkeley is a wonderful area, because I know that's where you're from, right? That's where I live, yeah. Great. We've been talking with Jordan Paul. He's Dr. Jordan Paul, actually. He's the author of Becoming Your Own Hero. I highly recommend the book. Please go out and get it, and or visit and visit his website, which again, doctor, is? www.drjordanpaul, D-R-Jordan-Paul, J-O-R-D-A-N-P-A-U-L, no spaces, uh, dot com. And doctor, we've had a wonderful hour with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I loved it. Thanks. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day and uh, have a wonderful time in Los Angeles. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you. Take good care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. And we've been talking with uh, Dr. Jordan Paul. Now, Eric, did you learn something? Because someday you're going to become a parent, and you're going to need to know these things. I don't know about that. but uh, <laughs> Which I mean, part? I, <laughs> about the becoming a parent thing. But, uh, you know, I definitely learn something every day listening to this program. Well, thank you. I, so do I. It's, 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 it's the most marvelous thing, i got to tell you. It's always a growing experience. It is that, and we have a lot of fun. Tomorrow, as a matter of fact, we are going to have another growing experience because— Because uh, Mike... we'll be snacking during the whole show? That's no. right. Well, actually, Michael Polson is going to be here because we're going to talk about this—, this uh, uh, Mercury retrograde stuff again mm. because, like yesterday, your computer blew up. And, well, it didn't blow up. Well, okay, it froze up. We had a file freeze. We had a file freeze. And it so we had sometimes with computers, but yes, yes. It's well, and I know, but but and we had a power outage, and we had a whole bunch of stuff go on. So you mean the big blackout, the big blackout, oh. and that happened during Mercury retrograde. So it did, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk with Michael about that, and we've Quinky also dink. Uh, quinky dink. You be the judge. <laughs> Whether you believe it or not, if you talk to our, our executive producer, Darla, like all of her appliances went out all at the same time. So, hey, do something nice for yourself. Do something positive. Go relax. Have be, have some fun in the sun. Next up, stay with Scott and, uh, and let's talk gardening. Gardening in the Northwest. Absolutely. Have a great day. We will see you tomorrow. <laughs>